I'm going to invite you, if you can, we're going to be reading today out of Genesis chapter 8. This is now part 3 of our New Beginning series, looking at the life, the faith of Noah, particularly in the moments after they enter the ark, stepping into a new world, and what this would say to us about our lives today. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 20. If you were not here last Sunday and you did not catch the live stream or the SoundCloud or... What are we on? We're on podcasts now with uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I mean, we're trying to hit you from every angle we can. Uh, Just find one of those things and listen to last Sunday's message because I feel like it was a marquee message for all of our families. Amen. But here we find in verse 20, reading from the New Living Translation, then Noah built an altar. Someone say altar. To the Lord. And there he sacrificed as burnt offerings the animals and the birds that had been approved for that purpose. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma. Mm, It pleased him of the sacrifice and said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race, even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood. I will never again destroy all living things. My topic today is build an altar. Build an altar. I invite you to pray with me at this time right there where you are. Father, I thank you for your presence that we feel in this place today, God. Our gathering this afternoon is not in vain. We've come to lift up your name primarily, God, but also to encourage one another. We do this, Lord, in a variety of ways. We do this, God, with the greetings of one another and the fellowship through the edifying of songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, God, and also the breaking of bread of the word. And I pray, God, that as we go into your word, God, you would speak to us. God, I take authority right now over every spirit, every force, every mindset and attitude that is contrary to to the spirit and the word of God. And I cast it out in the name of Jesus. And I give you, Lord, permission to speak to your church the way you want to. Touch us, God, today and anoint my lips. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone say amen. You may be seated in God's presence. Noah is perhaps the Bible's most renowned builder. And the ark was, of course, the project that put his name on the map, cemented his place in history, and eventually earned him a spot in the prestigious Hall of Faith, which is found in the writings of Hebrews chapter 11, detailing all the great acts of faith, men of faith and women of faith throughout the ages. He's on the top of that list. It was his crowning achievement. If he were a painter, it was his Mona Lisa. If he were an inventor, it was the light bulb. So synonymous are he and his boat that uh, upon hearing the name Noah, one instantly thinks of the ark. That's how closely related They are. However, the ark 
wasn't the only significant thing that he built in his lifetime. In fact, one could argue that what he built after the ark was as important as the ark itself. Maybe not as grand. Maybe not as famous. Maybe not as big. But no less valuable to a man who was on a mission from God. Thus, before staking his claim in this new world that he had run aground into, and before he built new houses and farmland, Noah's first act when he stepped off the ark was to build an altar. Someone say amen. A place to consecrate his life and the new destiny that he was embarking upon. And so from the very onset of this new journey that he is on, along with his family as I preached on last Sunday, all of them as a unit, we see a principle that I want to build on this afternoon, which is that no step of faith is complete without an altar. I don't care where you go. I don't care what you do. I don't care how successful or notorious or great you become. No step of faith is complete without an altar. If you hope to thrive in the things of God and in the season that you're in, you need to build a spiritual altar in your life. And the precedence that Noah sets for us today, church, is one of great importance because of all the things that he could have occupied himself with in a new world. Think of it. It's like a blank canvas before him. A brand spanking new world. All the things he could have done. He starts off with the most important thing that we could ever do. Before you build anything else, make sure you're building an altar. There are over 400 references to altars in the Bible, which makes this a prominent fixture worthy of our consideration. Scripture reveals that every great patriarch of faith was known to build an altar. And these altars stained with animal blood and human tears were more than just places of prayer, more than just places of devotion, but places of sacrifice. Aside from Noah, Scripture says that Abraham, whom we refer to often as the father of faith, built at least four altars throughout his lifetime, coinciding with every season of faith that he entered. There's an interesting study there. Maybe I'll preach a series one day just on the altars of Abraham. Because he didn't build just one. But with every season of his life, every new thing that God did in his life, he consecrated that season with an altar. And then his son, observing his father's faith, also 
built an altar. Isaac, and then his son, Jacob, built an altar. And down the line, Moses built an altar. Amen. Then Joshua, Samuel, David, Solomon, Elijah. Are, are you noticing a pattern here? All these great men of faith were known to be altar builders. And you cannot separate the works of faith, the mighty works through which God did through them, from their altar. They are synonymous. They are incomplete without each other. And so if we are to live a life of faith pleasing unto God, a life of victory, a life that Christ calls us to live as his followers, then we also need to understand that no step of faith is complete without an altar. Amen. So Noah built this altar. He said, first things first, before we go on with living our lives, before we go on in pursuit of what we want to do and where we want to go and what we want to accomplish, we need to build an altar. So today, I came with a very simple mission today. I want to give you the raw materials to help you understand how to build an altar and what that altar ought to look like in our daily lives. Amen. We need a thriving altar in our lives if we are going to achieve and apprehend the things of God. Building and maintaining your altar might be the most important battleground in your life because I have come to realize that if the devil can bring our altars into disrepair, if the devil can get between us and our altars, then he can get between us and our destiny and our future in God. So you better believe that the altar is of utmost importance for us today. And Noah built his for three reasons. The first that I want to mention is to build an altar to show God honor and gratitude. Hallelujah. Noah stepped off the boat and he was overcome with appreciation. Maybe he got emotional. Maybe him and his wife held each other in their arms and shared a moment of reflection to think about where they had come from. Think about the storm and the flood that they had just survived. Think about the goodness of God in their life and how it was that the same flood that wiped out humanity had served to be their mode of salvation. To think about, to hold this moment uh, so precious and so beautiful that they, they had to, in their minds, consider the goodness of God. What is clear is that Noah understood that it was only by the grace of God and the goodness of God that he survived something that others did not survive. Oh, hallelujah. He fully recognized that if it had not been for the Lord that was on his side, he would have never made it to the other side. Let me tell you why we build our altars today. 
We build them because we, as people of faith and people of God, understand that it was not us in our own power and ability and smart and education that brought us to the other side, but it was the grace of God and God alone that brought us to where we are today. We ought to give God a praise right now. I said we ought to give God a praise right now. Oh, thank be to God. Hallelujah. Noah's altar set a precedence of honor and gratitude that would forever change the trajectory of his life and his descendants. He wanted to, to drive a stake in the ground and said, we are primarily a thankful people, a grateful people. We recognize that we did not get here on our own, but we are here by the sheer mercies of God. And so he pauses. And if you study the altars, the great altars in the Old Testament with the succeeding patriarchs, you'll find that they were not merely designated places of prayer. These were not just like a prayer uh, spots uh, uh, where we just kneel and pray. No, they served as physical and spiritual landmarks to the story of what God has done in their lives. These altars served as monuments to help the people of faith and of God remember that it was the Lord that had done these mighty works in their life. These altars were built to commemorate life-changing encounters with God. Things that God did for them that they were never to forget. They stood as memorials for the hand of God such as when Israel crossed over the Jordan and into the land of milk and honey, the land of Canaan. Not only did they set up these memorial stones in the river but they also built an altar an altar that would serve as a reminder and of the goodness of God an altar that every time the people of God generation after generation would come across and see those stones they would also see a blood-stained altar right next to the stone hey we have got to make sure that we are also handing down altars to our children and to our next generation we gotta show them what it's all about it's all about the altar hallelujah come on let's give God some thanks right now let's give God some praise today hallelujah the altar you build is about honoring and blessing God for getting you here let me remind you that you didn't get here because you're smarter than others I'm going to say that again. I said, you didn't get here because you're smarter than others. You didn't get here because you're lucky. You didn't get here because you know the right people. You didn't get here because you've been perfect your whole life. No, you're here. Hear me loud and clear today. My God, can I preach this like I want to? You're here because God ordained it. Oh, I'm going to help somebody right now. I said you're here because God ordained it. If the devil had any word in it, he would have stopped you from ever getting my God. If the devil had a say in it, you wouldn't be sitting where you are today. But the devil is a liar. God ordained for me to be here. And that's why I lift my hands. That's why I lift my voice. That's why I worship him and praise him today. 
Hey, hallelujah. You survived things that should have drowned you. Sin and shame. You survived. Somebody say, I survived. Amen. Sickness and injury. Heartbreak and affliction. Family crisis. Financial crisis. Mental crisis. You survived layoffs. You survived recessions. Pandemics. Countless personal trials and tribulations. But I've got a question for you. Have you built an altar? of honor and gratitude to God. Did you thank him for preserving you? Hallelujah. And I've got news for you. You don't have to, like they did in the Old Testament, you don't have to kill any animals, amen, unless you're going to eat them, praise God. Uh, Peter said, the Lord told him, rise and kill. Amen. But you don't got to kill any animals. You know what you got to kill? This flesh. Oh, my God. You got to kill this flesh. You don't got to kill any animals. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 and verse 15, Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So how do I thank him? You don't got to slay any animals today. You just got to slay this flesh. Open up your mouth and say thanks be to God for everything that you have done for me I will bless you Lord come on people of God that's how we do it we do it with our lips we do it with praise you don't have to wait for Thanksgiving day to be thankful praise him while you can that's what I say and and so Noah steps into a new world a new destiny and he says no we, we just can't go on living life and you know, lest we repeat the mistakes of humanity past. Lest we repeat the mistakes of the pre-flood civilization. We have got to set things in spiritual order. And we've got to let this brand new world know that God, this is God's territory. Have you marked your territory for God? Whew, my Lord. Have you marked your living rooms for God? Have you marked your car for God? Who, my Lord? Have, have you let everything know around you that this is the praise zone right here? Hey, hallelujah. This is the praise zone right here. And Noah steps foot into this new world, and he builds an altar first to give glory and honor to God. And secondly, you build an altar to sacrifice for a new season. Noah stepped into a newly baptized earth, which Bible students, you, you will know and you will learn that this portrays a new birth experience in Christ. You see, what happened with Noah and the new earth is a picture of what new life in Christ looks like. It is a foreshadowing of you and I being covered like the world was in Noah's time with water coming out new. We were baptized. If you were baptized in water in Jesus' name, that you were very much like the earth was in Noah's time. Amen. In the words of Paul, therefore, in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things. Someone say all things. Say it again. All things have become new. He said all things 
cast away. I want you to think about just for a moment, what are those old things? You see, old things here is not just a term for the old nature or the sinful nature. That is at the root of it. But all things here represents anything that God wants to replace with something new. How many of you like new stuff? Oh, come on now. I said, how many of you like new stuff? Yeah. I like new stuff. Huh? I like new stuff. Sometimes you don't, when you get something new, you don't want to touch it, right? Huh? You, you get a new pair of shoes. You get, I don't want any creases in it. You know, I don't want to, you don't want to, when it's new, it's like, man, it, we like new stuff, huh? Get something new. And then, and then once it's no longer new, it's just like, okay. But we like new stuff, new opportunities, amen? New business, new relationship. Well, I don't know where you all went with that one. I just, you know, <laughs> we could keep doing this all day if you want, but. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. New seasons. Let's get back to this. New seasons, huh? New, new things. New, new, I, I like new. However, you got to understand that every new, and I'm not just talking about like, like a new material thing. I, I'm talking every new thing that God does requires a new cost. With every new season comes a cost. There's a price that has to be paid. Oh, Hallelujah. Noah knew that whatever he sacrificed and offered before the flood was for that season. Now, this is conjecture, but I suppose that this was not Noah's first altar. The Bible says that he walked with God for all those hundreds of years prior to the ark. He walked with, he had a relationship with God. So, if you would allow me some creative license here, I've got to think that he had to be an altar builder even back then. He walked with God. He knew how to please God. And Noah understood that whatever he built for God, whatever altar existed for God in that season was for that season. But now God has brought me into a new season. He's brought me into a new destiny, into a new place. And he understood that the further in God you go, the more he requires. Not the less, brother and sister, but more. Someone say more. Yeah, you should have praised God when you had the chance. Because now I'm going to talk about more. In other words, let me put it to you this way. Your level of sacrifice should rise with your level of faith. You should never let your success get bigger than your altar. Oh, man. You should never let where God's taking you. I don't care how big the door is. You better be taking a new altar with you. I pray that my success, no matter what it is, never overshadows my altar. That my platform never gets bigger than my altar. My God. Whatever space, whatever rooms God allows me to enter, that I still know there's an altar that needs to burn for him. And know 
Noah did not just offer up theoretical offerings, mystical offerings. He offered up something of real value and substance. Remember all the animals that he had on the ark? Right? God said, fill up the, fill up the ark with, with all these animals. You have to excuse the way my mind works. But I'm thinking, man, what would it like to be one of those animals? You just survived a worldwide flood. Everyone's getting used to the new world. They're like, man, I can't wait to the place I'm going to fly, the things I'm going to do. And then Noah looks over that set, not so fast, little guy. That's messed up. That little guy was getting ready to start a new life, and he found out he's about to be barbecued for the Lord. <laughs> I, I like to have fun when I read the scriptures. And my mind was thinking about those poor guys, man. But here's the thing. It had to have hurt Noah as well. He had a relationship with all these animals. He was the zookeeper, if you will, feeding them, taking care of them, nurturing them, huh? calming them when the storm was raging. He was, for all intents and purposes, like a father to all of these creatures. He cared for them. They were under his responsibility, under his care. Almost like members of his own family. So when the Lord says, okay, now I need you to take from some of those flocks, those precious birds. Hopefully he didn't name them yet. I need you to take those and offer something of value unto me. Because in order for this to be a sacrifice, Noah... It's got to hurt you a little bit. Mm, my God. It's got to hurt you. And his whole life was affected by this. And we see a New Testament reality in Romans chapter 1, or excuse me, chapter 12 and verse 1, that we are to, by the mercies of God, who, my Lord, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He said, present your body. Someone say, my body. This encompasses everything about our lives. It's everything. It's not just the parts that we want to give. We have a habit of only offering God what's comfortable. Only certain parts and, and, and not, hmm. But that's not a sacrifice. Amen, somebody. Is this okay? I'm going to just preach for a little bit more. Amen. So let me ask you a question today. What qualifies as a sacrifice? What makes a sacrifice a sacrifice? I feel like we could be talking about two different things right now. When we hear sacrifice, what does that even mean? Let me tell you what it is. A sacrifice is something that hurts or is significant to you. It's something that you feel when you give it. Whether it's physical, spiritual, financial, Every aspect of our life. Listen to the words of David. 
Man, David was an Old Testament Saul with a New Testament revelation. Because watch what he says in Psalms 51, 17. The sacrifices of God. This is a man who lived during the period of, of animal sacrifice. And yet he says, are a broken spirit. Someone say broken. A broken and a contrite heart. These, oh God, you will not despise. So listen. When it stops breaking you in some way is when it stops being a sacrifice. Oh, my God. Because then, you know what ends up happening? It becomes just another thing on a long list of other things. Sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. How do I know? That it's a sacrifice, Brother David, when it breaks me. Ooh, my Lord. This is going to separate some of the things we think are sacrifices versus what actually is a sacrifice. Because if it doesn't, if it doesn't affect me, if I don't feel it, if it doesn't touch me in some way, if it's not significant, if it doesn't hurt, then it's not a sacrifice. And I've come to a place in my life and in my walk with God, I don't want to praise him. And I don't want to offer up God praise or thanksgiving or offering or anything else I can give and it be just another thing. I don't want coming to church to just be another day of the week, brother. I don't want Sunday to just be like Monday and Tuesday. I want it to be a sacrifice. You don't think there's other places that I can be right now on a Sunday afternoon? My goodness, the weather's beautiful. We can be a lot of places doing a lot of different things. Uh, it's got to be a sacrifice. Uh, and I don't want the things of God to be treated like every other thing. I don't want to treat my giving like it's just another bill. I don't want to treat my praise uh, and give God the same level of praise like I give to the Golden State Warriors or to the San Francisco. Oh, come on now. If you can shout for those things and you you can lay your, oh my God, sacrifice your flesh for those things, then surely you can do it for the name of the Lord. Come on now, somebody. I wonder if there's somebody right now that can give God a sacrifice of praise. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, give him a hallelujah. Give him a praise. Till it hurts. And so the Lord is convicting, Holy Ghost is convicting all of us today, me included. And the big question that I am to ask you and is this, but and this is the question. This, this is the question is that, is what you are offering, hear me, this is good. It's not on the screen, so pay attention. Is what you are offering consistent with what God has done for you and what you're still expecting him to do? The question is so good, I'm going to ask it again. Is what you are offering consistent with what God has done for you? Don't tell me, well, I think it's a lot. No, don't compare your offering to mine. Don't compare your sacrifice to mine. It's all relative to what God has done for you. Whew, my God. And if the answer to that question is no, and this is where the Holy Ghost is, is now leading us to a place, to an altar, where we say, now it's time for me to level up my sacrifice to the level that I, because God's, God's been letting us get away with some things, you know. 
we've been living on house money for a little bit. We, we've, been, we've been living off yesterday's sacrifices. <sighs> oh, God, hallelujah, it's getting quiet now. We've been living off yesterday's blessing, living off yesterday's Hey, that was for yesterday. What about today? This is the day that the Lord has made. Someone say amen today. So I pray that my ministry, that my life, my success, never outgrows my altar. My altar needs to grow in proportion to whatever God is doing in my life, if not greater. I don't want to preach better than I can pray. <sighs> never get to a place where you can play, sing better than your altar. Serve better than your altar because you can fool people for a while, but you can't fool God. So I know your altar. I've seen your altar. You got some cobwebs on there, boy. The stain of the blood. There's no fresh blood on that altar. I'm almost done. I'm going to end with this final point as to why Noah built the altar. He did it to change the course of the future. Noah, after he built his altar and made his sacrifice, God was pleased with him. He smelled the aroma of the worship and the sacrifice that he gave. And watch what God does in response. If you want to get God's attention, offer him a worthy sacrifice. If you don't believe me, not just this story. Read what happened when Solomon offered thousands of burnt offerings to the Lord. Ooh, God said, boy, he, right, he wrote him a blank check. Anything you want, man, I got you. <laughs> Imagine God saying that to you. You tell me what you want. It's yours. He asked for wisdom. He's a better man than me. Huh? <sighs> just give me wisdom. I pray that I can be like that. Huh? But the Lord said, you can just do whatever you want. It's yours. Here is now Noah offering up this burnt sacrifice to the Lord. And the Lord said, man, he, when you offer up God the kind of sacrifice that Noah did, God's like, he looks at you and he's like, man, how can I bless him? He's looking for ways. How many of you would like God to be looking for ways to bless you? Like, like I want to bless you so good that you didn't even pray for what I'm doing for you right now. Oh, my God. Piano player, I'm going to invite you on up. He, I'm going to bless you so, because where in the Bible did Noah pray, God, please don't ever curse the ground again. Please don't ever. We don't read that he said any of that. And yet in verse 21, the Lord said, you know, I am in such a mood right now. This is what I'm going to do for you, Noah, and for your generation and for your descendant. I will never again curse the ground because of the human race. And he said, I'll never again do it. Someone say, never again. Man, I was reading those words this week. I was meditating on them, brother. And I just said, never. I don't know. I just I couldn't get past those words. And the more I read, never again. I will never. You know, there are some things that once you get past, God said, I'm never going to take you through that again. 
Oh, some, I got it. About 10% of you believe what I just said right now. Oh, there are some trials, brother, that once you pass the test, you don't have to take that test again. <laughs> oh, he told Noah, he said, he said, look, I'm going to give you a deal. You can't make you an offer. You can't refuse, Noah. I'm going to bless you so good. You're never going to have to go through one of these again. I don't know about you, but there's some things I don't ever want to go through. Can I get an amen out there? Huh? I don't I know what it's like to be in certain places. I know what it's like to be without. I know what it's like to be hurting. And I don't ever want to go through that again. Unless God has absolutely ordained it, I don't want to ever. And there are some tests. It's like school. It's like school. You only have to retake the test that you failed. If you keep retaking the same test, honey, it's probably because you're not learning whatever it is that God wants you to know. Because God's not like that. God just, you know, he's not just putting you through stuff just for the fun of it. It's to develop you. It's to teach you something. It's to show you something about him. You only retake those things you didn't learn. Jesus. But once you pass certain tests of faith, once you graduate, like Noah did, hallelujah, then you get to this place of life where God said, I'm not saying life's going to get easy. Because as you continue to read his story, Noah's story, life didn't, it wasn't easy. The world was new, but it wasn't perfect. There were still challenges that he had to deal with in his family and all sorts of things. But, but listen, he never had to go through that again. And the next level for Noah looked totally different than his past. Watch what the Lord continued to say in verse 22. I'm going to help you out one more. Man, i got just a few more last-minute things to give you here. Verse 22, as long as the earth remains, watch what he tells them. There will be planting and harvest. Come back next week because I'm going to preach on that one right there. Oh, my God, I'm excited about that one. There will be planting and harvest, cold and heat. Summer and winter, day and night. What did God mean by all of this? He's telling Noah. He said, Noah, I'm about ready to set some things in motion. I'm about ready to start some cycles in your life that nothing is going to be able to break. I'm going to set some patterns of blessing, some things that you can bank on. So that as you step foot into a new beginning, as you step foot into a new life, Noah, you're going to know that you can depend on me, that my word is true, that what I said I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. And you can take that all the way to the bank, Noah. I invite you to stand with me at this time, church. Oh, hallelujah. Now, obviously, this impacted the earth's environment, right? It impacted everything. It changed the climate of the earth. God said, I'm going to set these things in order. Planting. Harvest. Cold and heat. I'm going to set the seasons in order. I'm going to set the cycles in order. God's a God of cycles. Ooh. I said, the Lord is the God of cycles. He's a God of seasons for every time. There's a season, a time for everything under God. God's a God of seasons. God's a God of cycles. And he said, I'm going to set these things in order. Now, why did God do all of that? I'll tell you why. So that when Noah starts to plant for his family, the most important thing that a farmer needs is stability in the environment. To know that what I plant 
in the spring. What I plant in the summer will produce a harvest in the fall. God was giving Noah stability. Someone say stability. I'm going to bring, I feel this of the Holy Ghost right now. God is telling somebody today, I say this prophetic, I'm going to bring you into a stable place. I'm going to bring you into greater stability so that you can plant with confidence, so that you can serve with assurance, so that you can move forward with faith, knowing, Noah, that what you sow, you shall also reap. Knowing, Noah, that I've got you and I'm going to take care of you. I've come to tell somebody today that if you will build a real altar of prayer in your life, a real altar of sacrifice, I feel the Holy Ghost. In fact, right there where you are, would you just begin to pray? I feel something happening right now. Come on, I'm inviting somebody right now to pray. I'm inviting you to prayer with me right now. Oh, come on, tap into the Holy Ghost right there where you are. Tap into the Holy Ghost right there where you are. Oh, if you don't build an altar, nothing else you build is going to stand. <laughs> you got to have that place of consecration. You got to have that place of sacrifice. You got to have that place that belongs to God and put your whole life on that altar and burn for Jesus. Oh, God. And burn for God. 